a relationship with God is so different than just going to church and the religion part of God. A lot of my friends are like, no, I've been burned from church and the religion part of it. And I'm like, yeah, me too. This is what happened. Welcome to the Soul Season Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Avery. We're talking all things. Faith, friendship, and finding your purpose through each season of life. Hello, we are finally back for season two and so excited to dive into this topic. And we have an incredible guest speaker today. Might I introduce my very good friend and business partner, as well as just somebody who has helped me along my journey and my testimony, Kara Tavita. She is a narcissistic abuse awareness survivor and a recovery coach. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so stoked on this with you too. We're so excited. And we are actually filming from Denver today. It's so great that we get to literally have these friendships all over and just bring more awareness and hopefully just share this with whoever needs to hear it today. So tell us a little bit about your story and just how you got here. Tell us about your platform and just share how did this all start? What is your brand? So basically diving into the name of the brand first, me and my cousin Katie, we both went through narcissistic abuse and I found out what it was and then I went home to California. That's where I'm from. All my family lives out there. And I basically was talking to her about some stuff I was going through and she was like, oh my gosh, like I have the same exact story. And her and I have always been close our entire like cousinhood ship or our relationship. And so when we found out we were going through the same exact thing, that was when we started being each other's accountability buddy and like helping each other out of it because no one understood what we were going through. And we didn't really understand the severity of it until we started diving in and researching it. And so once we started healing from it, we were like, wow, okay, like we really want to start talking about this. And I think like she was honestly the push I needed to start it because it's so scary to start branching out and speaking about what happened to you and we always say you are my soul we were like okay we want to do soul because we just feel like that soul connection between us we always have since we were little and then she's Katie and I'm Kara and we both spell it with a K so we changed cousin with a K so soul cousin we loved it because now when we help other people, we always say, oh, you're our cousins. So a whole community we've been able to build. And it's just been so amazing to start this brand and to really take the focus off of the narcissist and to take the focus onto healing, understanding why we acted that way and why we accepted that breadcrumb love and all these type of things. I love that. Like, I love that you're very survivor focused. And I love the term survivor because people can say victim, but survivor like flips the script back onto the person who fought the good fight. And I'm excited to talk to you about it from that perspective. Yes, it's so cool that you say that because her and I actually filmed an episode where we called it victim to survivors. Where a lot of times I think survivors, when they're not in that survivor mindset yet, they can feel so stuck in the like hatred part of it. And like, how do we get past because... In reality, you're going through all these stages of grief and to know these stages of grief and where you're sitting at will help you like where you are in your healing. And I think once you get over that, okay, I'm mad and going back to that blaming, you start realizing what your part was and how to actually heal that root of the issue. That's so good. And I love that you said that soul was a big part of 
your branding too, because it's very aligned with our brand. And we always talk about mind, body, soul connection, and just how important it is to have, just have a firm foundation who you are, who is your identity. And so that you don't settle for whatever it is for relationships or business or friendships. That's what we're here to share too, is just how it all connects. And whenever you can really work on yourself, your mindset, your physical health, your spiritual health, like it all comes together and you can really find a version of yourself that you never thought possible. It's, I am a firm believer in my body and soul and the things that I went through on the physical as well as like the spiritual is just so crazy to be like spiritually aware now and looking back and reflecting like, wow, that was such a hard time of my life. And this is how I can shed light. It's just so amazing that God brings like purpose to our pain. And I'm a huge believer in that. So changing that part of that, such a painful part, I'm now like able to just share my testimony and bring so much light and flip the script on what the enemy was trying to keep me from. I'm curious, like what is your testimony? Like how would you describe your journey to where you are now? Wow. Okay. So (laughs) I like kind of start at like at 18 and I'll just give like brief little snippets of it but I got married really young I got married at 18 to a military man and moved away from my entire family and it was really hard and we were in the church like him and I both believed but as we strayed away and was just like really in the world our relationship really grew apart and things like got bad I wouldn't necessarily say it was like abuse but I was also really young we both didn't know who we were so as time went on, like we, I realized it just wasn't serving me anymore. And I wanted so many other things. And so we got a divorce. And it was really hard. And my family tried to be there for me, but the church kind of shunned me and they looked at me very differently. And this was the church I grew up in, I served in, it was really hurtful to come back home to California and people would look at me different. And they looked at my parents differently. And so I lost respect in the church for a while. And so that was when shortly after I met the pers- the narcissist and was with him for four to five years and really strayed away from God. Like I remember that was one of the red flags in the beginning where I was like, let's go to church. And he was like, I don't believe and all this stuff. And honestly, like <laughs> I always say that I'm a firm believer that narcissists come straight from the devil because like they are just so evil. And I think it's spiritual warfare in itself if you're not aware of that stuff. And I every time I would try to leave the narcissist, I would go to church because I was just so lost. And I knew that was like my foundation. And I think that's why it's so good to grow up in like a Christian home, because at the end of the day, you do have the solid core foundations of who, like where you need to run to, you know. And so I was trying, but I never found a church that stuck. And then I basically found all this stuff out. And I just remember because it's typically like in a sense, an addiction with the narcissist and like you're addicted to them. And so I remember like just being on my hands and knees, like crying out to God and just being like, please help me get over this. And I wasn't really even walking with God. I didn't have a relationship with God. And I was like, please help me get over this. Please bring me someone good. Like I will never forget that feeling of just like 
fully crying out for help and I get choked up about it yeah I get kind of choked up about it but like now the relationship that I have with God I'm just so grateful because that vision is like stuck in my head of he saved me from this but also like because I stepped out into the world and I brought pain and chose those decisions that I made he still was like so gracious and showed me grace to use that pain for a purpose now and now I can live like a purposeful life which is really cool and like amazing but honestly like in that whole transition of finding my faith again and finding it was really finding myself and like finding who I was as a person because I think when you're going through this I don't think I know when you're going through this, you lose yourself and you also don't know who you are. You don't have a voice because the person is just completely changing your entire identity of like how you think about yourself in order to take hold and manipulate you in for their own greater good. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Powerful. <laughs> that gives so much beautiful context because I've followed your page and have consumed your content and stuff. But that is, it's really sweet to hear your story. Absolutely. Thank you. And I think it's incredible that you are actively using your pain, not to like have this negative platform just to talk negatively about a narcissist, but to make it create a community and a sense of belonging for people who couldn't put a label on what it was that they were experiencing, like giving words to people who didn't understand the pain that they were going through and helping them realize that they're not alone and that they're not crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's I think that's the biggest thing I hear is, oh, my gosh, so I'm not crazy. And I'm like, no, you're not. And it's so sad because in the beginning, like I literally I felt crazy. I thought I was crazy. I would take screenshots of things I found because I was like, no one is going to believe like how crazy these things that I'm experiencing or no one's gonna believe me that like our friend group's not gonna believe me like the the person was just so good at putting on a front and that hiding behind like that false self that narcissists love to hide behind okay yes I think this was gonna lead into the next question so what are the signs of narcissism because I think a lot of people it's just a very overly used word in our culture today and especially as like awareness is growing on social media how would you define a narcissist or be able to pinpoint maybe a selfish person versus somebody who is going through narcissistic personality disorder the biggest like I don't I always tell people that reach out to me I don't diagnose anyone yeah that's not my job but I am here to help you decipher like what you're experiencing and the biggest thing is the lack of empathy and it's actually crazy in sociopaths and narcissists their MRI, MRI brain scans basically show the lack of empathy and like abnormalities on their scans and so That was so interesting to me just because I am in the imaging field. And so when I started researching all of the medical aspects of it, I was like, this is so crazy. This needs to be talked about. And so I read like books on it. And then that was when I started realizing, okay, instead of focusing on like the narcissist, I wanted to focus on the survivor of what happened with my brain during that time as well. But the lack of empathy is the biggest one. But with narcissists, they can fake a lot of stuff and hide behind that false self. So that's not the only like differentiation of if someone's like a narcissist or not. I think a lot of it is just 
over which is hard but over time reflecting back on like how they treated you or how they are with conflict how they are with constructive criticism that is a big one like boundaries if you have boundaries how they act towards that because narcissists hate those things pretty much anything like that's gonna have you stand up for yourself and not be manipulated or controlled is going to really tick the person off that is trying to use supply out of you okay so tell us what is Um, supply so what is narcissist they have an ego that is constantly hungry And so that ego constantly needs to be fed. And so for a lot of times, my looking back, like my question was always like, why is it why is he always cheating on you? Why am I not enough? Like, why I'm doing everything like I think I'm like, I think I'm good looking. So like, maybe like, why am I not fulfilling him in this when he's like going outside and looking at people that in my quote unquote, were up to my standards mm-hmm. as far as had their life together, were a good person, like you know, all these things, right? But in reality, they're just looking for anyone that's going to feed their ego. And, and like everything is energy. And so when they're basically looking to feed their ego, they're just looking for like energy from someone talking to it doesn't even necessarily need to be cheating if they're talking to someone over text behind like your back or if it's not a relationship but a friendship and they're like someone else is like giving them a better friendship than you were like anything like that it could be any form of relationship they're going to be on a little bit of a high but like everything like a drug that runs out so with that when you talk about supply always say don't give your energy to the person don't be their supply starve that ego is the best way to think about it that's good I feel like supply it sounds like I hate the term like I'm like oh my gosh I feel like that's gross sounds I don't like want to a druggy give- term yeah <laughs> like I don't want to give that away but it's so hard whenever you are addicted to toxic love or you're addicted to love adoration adoration getting acceptance a lot of times as women like we are like people pleasers like we want to make people happy but whenever it comes to narcissistic relationships or just toxic relationships in general being able to starve the supply and to starve that you go is like important i think like touching on the part of addiction to the easiest way and honestly the way I was able to get out of this cycle was treating myself like an addict and really like setting a sober d which is like no contact and so for people that have kids they're not able to do that but they aren't able to set boundaries of I will only speak to you about the kid and not getting sucked in and being so firm on that boundary but for me it was celebrating like my sober d from this person and giving myself like a one month sober date and celebrating it in the three months sober date celebrating it and the one week sober date when you're just trying to break out of that and touching into the fact that if you've been with this person for a long time which I was with this person for like on and off four years I like experienced withdrawal and like detox from this person I was like extremely sick and so that's why like mind, body, and soul are so important to be self-aware of you're going to experience these things and to know that it's normal and that you can break free from it. I'm Ooh. curious when you like had the aha moment of, oh my gosh, like I've been in love with a narcissist. 
So I, it's actually so funny because I didn't even know that word. And this was like, I'm trying to think like back on dates. I want to say around 2018, 2018-ish. So none of this stuff was like trending, right? Like 2018 (laughs) social media, like was a lot different than it is now. And so I was on Pinterest, like searching how to get over, like how to get over basically when someone cheats on you because he had cheated on me so many times but yet we were gonna try one more time maybe it'd be different (laughs) and so I was on Pinterest reaching stuff and I had this book about being insecure in love all these things right like I was looking for answers and I came across and I wish I had the article but I never saved it and I came across this article that it was explaining everything I was going through. And at the end of the article, it was a book that was linked and I bought the book and it's something I always talk about on my platform, a book called Power. It's surviving and thriving after a narcissistic relationship. And that book was eye-opening. I actually, it was really triggering and like hard to read. And I took a ton of notes and I remember I was sitting on an airplane, like crying, reading it. This person was looking at me like, is this girl okay? When you're like at church worshiping <laughs> and crying and the person doesn't know to like pray for you. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, that's how I felt in this airplane seat. And I like needed to take a break. I was like, all right, I need to take a break and collect my thoughts. And I I read the book and I had some knowledge, but I was still addicted to him. And so I went back, but this time I went back with a little bit of knowledge and I studied him and I don't recommend doing this. More <laughs> abuse happened and more PTSD refrained from that too. But I studied him and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm going through. This is, this is what the book says. This is page 45. That was when I was like, okay, this time I need to have boundaries. And so I remember seeing if I find anything with a girl, like we're done. And I found it like a month of him living with me and I kicked him out and he wouldn't get out. And so I helped him move. Like what person does what? that? Like he cheats on me and I help him move. You're like, please wait, I'll help you. Like such a different person. Oh my goodness. The things like I accepted that back then I would never what do you have to do to get him out though yeah. and I was trying to just keep the peace because if you're dealing with the narcissist they have tantrums because they're just emotionally five years old it was just so crazy because that was when I experienced the withdrawals and they'll try to hoover so we can talk about like a hoover tactic is when they'll come back around and see if you're weak enough to accept them back or if you are like if you haven't learned anything basically and so they'll do that with all of their supply victims and so that's why you'll see a lot of people Mm. like old exes coming back around to see if like you're still hey like how's it going and so that's why it's so good to just be really self-aware from all of the tools and I think like this healing really led me to the fact that, wow, I have these tools now for the rest of my life to where if I'm in contact with, quote unquote, like if I'm with at work with a surgeon and he's mean to me, I don't have to accept that. Right. Learning how to set boundaries Mm -hmm. in every relationship. Yeah. And so I used to look at this. Some survivors come to me and they're like, oh, it's such like 
a hindrance. I'm so mad that I had to go through this. And in my opinion, I'm like, I couldn't say this three years ago, but I can sit here and be, I'm so grateful to go through that because it's made me a better person and it's made me have better relationships and friendships and all around like people in my life. Because you don't settle and you know what you're worth now. But tell us a little bit about how that affected your self-worth and self-image going through that. Oh my gosh. Getting cheated on alone like just breaks you, especially I'm like speaking from a woman's experience. You start comparing yourself to these people and I'd be like, what do they have that I don't have? And just beating your own self up about it and then also just experiencing like from a narcissist the words and the verbally abuse that they would endure and like how they would speak to you really just makes you a shell of a person and I had no voice and it's so crazy because everyone that knows me now knows I'm a chatter Kathy and you got a mic now girl <laughs> that's why I think he was just so scared for me to start speaking out and wanted to really keep me small and keep me like in that shell of who I was and that's why I always related to like the enemy the enemy is so scared when we have God power and the Holy Spirit power and the enemy tries to keep us from all these things that God has for us and using our voice is like the biggest thing and I always teach like my girls that I help like I always tell them and I make them repeat it three times so they hear my voice in their head but I always say even if your voice shakes because I've done all of this branching out and speaking out scared and it like my voice has shook sometimes when I've talked about it not necessarily today because like I've been doing this for a little bit longer now but I remember like my first post so scared to talk about it and he also tried to make it a living hill yeah so I can touch on that too so I was like okay let's start this Instagram let's do it and reels were just coming out like I didn't even really know how to make a reel then and so (laughs) I made one and it was like some audio name a time in your life when you were at your lowest And I like blurred his face out. And I always keep that photo because you can see it in my eyes. I'm smiling in the picture and anyone that doesn't know me would think, oh, she's happy. But in my eyes, I'm just like not there. There's no soul. And basically, I just posted it and it got 20K. And we had more followers. (laughs) And I had posted, and this was like, I beat myself up about it because I was bummed, but I had posted a screenshot of one of the messages I had found with him and an escort. And I didn't blur out his phone number. Your first reel ever? Yeah. And I was, I know. Savage. (laughs) There's just so many meticulous things. Like I wouldn't have thought about that either. I didn't even think. And so someone had messaged him. And I don't know how true this is, but he reached out to me and was like, basically like you're you're coming after me and all this stuff and I was like honestly like I had no idea I'm gonna I reached out to my counselor at the time because she specializes in NPD and I was like what do I do and I didn't mean to put his number out there I was just trying to speak on my experience my story and 
she was like, okay, we got to delete it because you don't want that. You don't want that attention for him either. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I just wanted to talk about this story. And I like deleted it. But then I got a call from his counselor is how they introduced themselves. And so I was like, oh, his counselor, like maybe this counselor needs to know some of the things I've experienced. And so I opened up a little bit to the counselor and then it turned out it was his lawyer. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, he emailed me that I was like trying to, basically they were going to try to get me for defamation for his reputation because like he was trying to branch out into his career. And so that's why I'm always really survivor focused because that has always been my goal. It was never to talk about like how terrible this person was it was to talk about why I accepted this abuse and why what I was going through and like about me and like my healing journey and so I think that was such the enemy because I questioned even continuing with the platform because I was like man I don't want to go into like legality And then I remembered who I was and like my experience and my voice and how powerful that is and how many people are stuck in that abuse. And so whenever I'm making content or speaking to people, I'm speaking to the old version of myself that I wish someone came to me in year one and told me, hey, this is what you're going through rather than me going through it for four years, completely losing friendships and relationships and almost my career because I couldn't even focus. I felt like I was truly losing my mind. And so that's who I always keep at the forefront of this mission. Your why. Yeah. Your why, that old version of yourself. The lawyer thing feels like triangulation. So in your words, like what is triangulation and how did you experience it? So in the relationship, because of some of the things I went through with my ex-mother-in-law, I had always really wanted a relationship with a mother, quote-unquote, a mother-in-law. And he used his parents a lot of the times when we, like, would break up and get back together. He'd be like, my my mom doesn't like you or my dad doesn't like you and he knew how hurtful that was. So when I would go to events, I would just not really like talk. Like I just felt like I couldn't be myself. So obviously the outside looking in that looked like really weird. And that was definitely one. Another one was like, he would be like, no one likes you or all your friends tell me this about you. And then I would talk to my friends and they'd be like, I never said that. And even talking to his mom when we had split, she reached out and she was so nice to me. And she was like, you're a smart young lady. Like you have a good thing going for you. Like I suggest you heal. Like she wanted the best for me. She knew something was off as well. And so that just validated like how crazy triangulation is and how They're really just making you feel like you can't be yourself and like you can't step out. And it's another form of control because if you're thinking everyone's talking about you, you're going to start questioning yourself Mm -hmm. and you're going to start being like, maybe I am the problem and maybe it's this. And you're not going to be focusing on what the heck they're doing behind your back. And that's facts right there. Like Mm -hmm. I was so worried about like 
if I was a bad person or if I was the problem and he used to like actually call me a narcissist and I he would be like you're vindictive and all these things and I just want for anyone that's like experiencing any sort of verbal abuse to replace you with I because typically when they're going off on you they're talking about themselves and so if they're like you're vindictive you're a narcissist like narcissists hate themselves and that's what they're talking about if you say replace it with I they're gonna be like I'm a narcissist I'm vindictive I don't like myself all these things and that it just shows you that you were never the problem that's like gaslighting 101 which is also another buzzy term yes like realizing that what it was and then being like oh this is what it is and this is projection yeah it was like a come to jesus moment (laughs) (laughs) in the background it was like (laughs) like in like a just in a you're in this dark I don't know if any of you guys have seen the Netflix show made but I'm gonna throw in a plug real quick on that because made describes narcissistic abuse so well and there's this episode where she's in this like hole but really it's like she's in the couch and she just hasn't gotten up but it's you feel like you're in a hole and you have no energy because they're like sucking the soul out of you and so you don't have energy to fight back or to you you just become the shell of a person and so when I found all of this out I went I was mad I was mad because I was like wow I let someone do this to me right like I was this independent person I was getting my life together but a lot of it was and we talk about this on our platform we didn't really know who we were So we were easy to manipulate. And so when the gaslighting was happening, I didn't even know what gaslighting was. And I specifically remember I was telling my roommate like what was going on. And she was in, I think she was in school to be a therapist, but I don't know like how far, far along she was, but she was like, that's gaslighting and he's gaslighting you. And I was like, what's that? (laughs) Like I didn't know anything. And it's just so important to know these terms. And I feel like, It's our job to have these tools because, like I said, it can shield you from any toxic person, not necessarily a boyfriend, but any person to learn these tools and have them. Yeah, I feel like knowledge of any of the defense mechanisms is key within any relationship and with also self-awareness. Because if someone comes after me and I feel like they're a threat, like I can now recognize like, oh, that was me gaslighting them because I'm being defensive of myself too and you can gaslight yourself like you can say for example you can be like no they're a good person they just had the hard day like all these things or oh like they're just like stressed or like all justification yeah and it's like no the way they're behaving is abusive and it's wrong that's to be so firm in that boundary is how you're going to be able to stay away from that and that's like a high value woman like you are a high value woman because of all the knowledge that you have and because you're using your voice for the impact of others and to help them in their like experience and you're being what you needed when you were younger I am just the vessel that's facts because this god power is just it's just all him it's so crazy because I wasn't this person and it's 
I'm just so grateful to be able to be in this position for sure. But I wanted to give some gaslighting that I experienced in some term or like phrases that really resonated was I was just joking. (laughs) That's a good one. Because if you're like, let's say they say something hurtful. I'm getting triggered by this conversation. It's okay. Triggers just show you what you need to heal. But let's just say they're like, said something hurtful and you get upset and they're like I was just joking if it's in front of people that's to downplay the abuse but if it's not in front of people it's to basically dismiss your feelings and to not take any accountability that what they said was wrong a lot of it was I didn't do that and if I didn't have proof he would be able to talk me out of my reasoning the biggest example that I realized I'm really like not okay (laughs) and this was like a problem was I saw some I saw a video with my own eyes and I called him about it and I was like this is wrong like you told me you weren't gonna act this way like all this stuff and he sat on the phone with me for 45 minutes and talked me out of what I had just seen with my own eyes and I believed him it's psychological warfare yes and that was when I realized this was a lot deeper than I had thought because I watched something with my own eyes and he could manipulate you. manipulate me into thinking something differently with one 45-minute phone call. And I was like, I need help. I need a counselor. I need help because this is... I just saw it with my own eyes. It's so crazy. So let's talk about that psychological abuse. And was it hard for you to like share this with your family or share this with the people from the outside, maybe your friend groups who saw a version of him that was completely filtered version of who he actually was because they don't see the psychological abuse. Yes. Yeah, so especially if it's not like a physically abusive relationship. Yeah. So I basically this was the hardest part too. Like I said, all my family is in California and I I'm out here in Colorado and it's just me and my dog. And then typically the family and friends that I like the friends that I have out here become my family. And so that's why I always take friendship very seriously out here is because I treat them like they're my blood. And so we had this group of friends and we called ourselves the fam. Shout out. Yep. None of us really had family out here. And so we would spend holidays together and days and everything. Dude, we did everything together. It was like such a fun time in my life. And so I introduced him into that group and everything and he ended up we broke up and I kicked him out for cheating and he needed a place to live so I had they're like my brothers like three guy friends and they were like we need a roommate but we don't want to get in the middle of this and he's no I'm gonna marry her like all this stuff right and so he moves in with them and then turn when all this stuff started going down I felt very isolated from the people that were like my family just because he was showing one side and then I did look crazy I was losing my mind and I think like the biggest thing was when I left him I also had to leave the friend group and that was so hard for me because those people were my family for years and so I it was a hard decision, but I was 100% so grateful that I did it because I needed to put me first and I needed to put my healing first. And if the people that wanted to be in his life and mine, like I unfortunately couldn't have that. 
it was too close in contact to where like I could see what he was doing and I needed to be completely like away from it all and it was really hard in that decision like shook me because I had to start a whole new friend group but two years later I like went to an engagement party with that group one of them was getting engaged and so I drove down there and I had my friend come with me because I was super uneasy about all of the things and those people actually apologized to me about not believing me and I really believe that the toxic narcissistic people will ruin relationships on their own and you're not here to prove your side and you're not here to prove that they're a bad person you just keep doing you and they'll make their mess themselves and anyone that's like feeling like they need to speak out and like shield this person from the next girl or anything like that like your job isn't to do that. Your job is to spread awareness about what you went through and heal yourself yeah. and speak on your healing. And because the biggest thing for me is we can't stop narcissistic abuse, but we can spread awareness about it. And so the more people that are aware, the less people will fall into the trap rather than being like, we need to stop narcissistic abuse altogether. That's not going to happen. We don't have control of that. We only have control of ourselves and what we do from here on out. And so that was one like so cool because when one of our friends passed away in that group, we were all able to really mend relationships that were broken. And it was just like God's hand on everything. And that led me to like back to my faith and my sobriety and just everything because of the impact that hurt had and so it's you just really never know the future of like how things are going to pan out just stay true to who you are as a person and like your journey and your healing and like god god makes miracles yes. <laughs> we get so stuck in this i need to prove myself or i need to tell everybody about them but that's god's job like yeah. god will do that work for you all you have to do is commit to him and set the healthy boundary like good for you for saying no i need to step away from this friend group at least for now because it's an un- un- unhealthy environment for me and yeah. i know that's not safe for me and my healing right now would you say that those friends were potentially flying monkeys there's a flying monkey <laughs> basically they're like enablers who support the narcissistic abuse and back them up and they're basically people that the narcissist manipulates into thinking like they're a good person and they know that the person is a narcissist or they don't think they are now they have the rose gold lenses on Mm -hmm. of the narcissist and wouldn't think that they could ever do something like this yeah and so that is there's so many people that We all hear flying monkeys a lot of times say there's two sides to every story. That was what I heard all the time. And I'm like, and then there's the screenshots, but okay. And then there's the videos. (laughs) Yeah. And then like also all of my therapy visits, but it's fine. So like that is the biggest thing with flying monkeys is they're just kind of oblivious to they're not aware is the best way to put it. They're not aware. And there's no harm in being that flying monkey, but that's why we have awareness. And that's why we spread awareness because you might be one and you don't even know it. And I think at the time they might've been like during when I was leaving the friend group in the breakup, they might've been flying monkeys because they only, they were living with him. So they saw that side. 
they didn't see like my stuff and but later on they saw stuff and then they saw how I was choosing to heal and change and they saw a different person in front of them and that speaks for itself and with the flying monkeys though I definitely had a bunch when I started the platform so the term flying monkey comes from the sleeping beauty and Maleficent and how she has those little flying monkeys that go off and like spy on Sleeping Beauty and all that stuff. And so that is how I look at the enemy. Like the enemy has these flying monkeys coming around and trying to add fear and doubt that like what I went through was real. And I think that's the biggest thing as a survivor is finding the validation that what you went through was real within yourself. And not being like, I need to prove this and I need to prove that. Like, I know what happened was not okay and was abuse. And I know that there's things I could have handled differently. And I think that comes into another topic we wanted to touch on as far as thinking you're the narcissist. Yeah. Because I dealt heavily with that. And sometimes that still comes up. I'm not even going to front that. I'm this like completely healed person. Sometimes that still comes up. And if you're asking yourself if you're the narcissist, you're not. That's mm-hmm. the number one because you're actually able to look within at yourself, but also to validating that you're not from yourself. Yeah. And you're becoming so emotionally aware of your part in the relationship that because of that, you start questioning like, oh, I did this wrong and I did that wrong. And it's not a narcissist. You just didn't know you're going through abuse. You needed to heal parts of yourself. You can also be toxic. Doesn't mean that you're a narcissist. I just want to throw that out there for anyone struggling with that because I always struggled with that and questioning like I wasn't a good person during that time when it's okay I have to give myself grace because I don't have all the answers I also feel like it's a buzzy word there's therapy talk there's mental health tiktok and like we do live in like a look at me world so I feel like there's come a time where we've all been like wait do I fall into this category so I'm glad you said that because it's a question that you don't want to answer but if you're asking that's a good sign yeah And so my counselor, I think I said this already, but she specializes in narcissistic abuse. And the reason I chose her was because she went through her own narcissistic abuse. So she really gets it. And the thing that she always tells me is if the world didn't have any narcissism, everyone would walk around being like insecure and weird and not questioning themselves. And so narcissism and confidence, the line is getting blurred on what is what. And so it's healthy to have a little bit of confidence Confidence. in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And being like self-love. Yes. Like, when you're a survivor, you have to heal that self-love. So an affirmation is I'm worthy of all good things or I love myself. That kind of stuff isn't wrong to say because you're building that part of yourself back up that was broken and stripped away from you. And so it's really good to know the difference of like narcissism and like we said, self-worth and self-love. Yeah. How would you describe like being selfish versus self-love? So... I was just like telling Taylor and a friend the other day that I dislike the word selfish, but I think it's because I was called that. And I think it's wrong to call someone that if they've experienced abuse, because if you aren't putting yourself first, how in the world can you give to anyone else? If you aren't building yourself up, 
how do you expect to love someone if you can't love yourself? And so you have to put yourself first in any situation because if you lose yourself, you lose everything. That yourself is like who you answer to. It's the most important relationship you have is with yourself and with your creator. Yeah. Yeah. So I did like an analogy and like a visual on my platform just because I'm so visual and learning. And I basically got two cups of water and I said, this is your friend and this is you. And if you were to like have a full cup of water and pour into your friend, most people think that's how you give energy and like give to others. And it's actually wrong. You would take a third cup of water and whatever pour fills up your cup. So let's say worship, God, like personal development, like self-care, Therapy. any of those things. Yeah. Pouring that into your cup, putting it above the other cup and having it overflow into the cup, which is your friend. If you are constantly pouring into yourself, putting yourself first and loving yourself, you will overflow that into oh, other people. I think the same goes for leadership. The same yes. goes for any relationship. Like we have to fuel our own cup before we can fill into others I love that just overflows if not we will just be so depleted and I had to learn that very early on as like an empath you know I was like wow I am so drained all the time what's wrong with me and it's because I wasn't filling up my own cup first I was Mm -hmm. just giving to others first so how would you advise somebody who's maybe realizing that they've experienced this or haven't healed from some maybe it's not narcissistic abuse but maybe it's some type of abuse how would you advise them to start healing and start pouring into their own cup today i'm big on affirmations and i don't think that's the answer like i typically i tried to allow time to heal and with this abuse in my opinion it doesn't go away time doesn't fix it it does help a little bit but i think you have to dive deep into the root of the issue of why you are choosing this like you have to change your own beliefs about yourself yeah and affirmations is definitely helped where I do them still like every day and writing those affirmations and pouring into yourself but the number one thing is researching and I've actually interviewed survivors on my platform and they all say research as well because it's so eye-opening and it'll help you become self-aware but also aware to other people and like it will help you reset kind of guard you from those people that don't want the best for you or aren't even aware of the behavior that they have themselves so it's research self-love and really just taking the time to heal and not jumping into another relationship because I'm a firm believer if you don't heal it the cycle will repeat and there's so many people that don't heal and then they basically repeat it within another person same exact thing if not worse so can it be repeated within the family unit yes oh my gosh so now that I know all this knowledge I definitely looked back and analyzed like my abusers family dynamic and not to put anything on blast or anything like that but it really opened my eyes to see that this was a problem that generational yeah I think really cycled through and I don't have all the answers but just from what I observed his parents remarried and divorced three times and that really shows to me like an addiction and basically how I kept going back. And so I felt for his mom in that sense, just because 
I wish I would have known what I do now to like even chat with her about this stuff. Like I just know so much now. So really just being able to look at the family dynamic and see that there was so much like trauma and like honestly just feeling bad wanting to love that little child in him and realizing that he has to do that himself I can't love this hurt and this trauma out of him was like a such a realization and once I realized that it was easy to be like is responsible for their own feelings Right. And it's not our responsibility. And we can't, as much as we think we can, we, as empaths, like we can't love the hurt out of them. Like they really have to come to terms with it themselves and want that for themselves. Just the way we can't bring anyone to surrender to God. Like they have to do that themselves. So we can show them. And I tried showing like the way, but at the end of the day, when it starts to hurt you more than help them, you have to be able to draw that line and walk away. The empath has two different phases that they will go through, depending on how aware they are of themselves and those around them. The first phase is the dark phase, where the veil is placed over the empath's awareness, sensing, knowing, feeling. In this phase, they are able to lose themselves and others, walk blindly while being abused, give until there is next to nothing left for their inner selves, lose focus of who they are in the middle of the weight of the world. This is a part of the impossibility because it can be both a blessing and a curse. Here is the part of the curse and the hell. Because of the ability, empaths attract toxic personalities like a moss to a flame. It can become an ongoing cycle. Never pretend that it cannot. Despite all the negative which potentially dwells within the first phase, the empath has the ability to move at any given moment into the second phase. This phase is initially lifts up the veil from the empath's mind and opens their awareness. It allows the empath to discern truth from lies, friend from foe, love from hate. It allows the empath to embark on a journey of self-discovery and healing, as well as offering others the potential of healing. These two phases meet more than once in the span of the empath's lifetime. Yeah. And they talk, like, there was a service at church, too, that talked about lifting the veil of being spiritually aware as well. And I, like we were saying, mind, body, and soul, this all comes together, in my opinion. I have a question. How have you been able to minister to the people that you're able to mentor? If they don't know God, how is faith a part of the healing journey whenever you recommend how to start walking away from a narcissist? So I openly talk about my faith just as much as I openly talk about my abuse. And I think that might just come from me being bold, but I don't shield any parts of myself. And if someone doesn't like a side of me when I speak, then they're just not meant for me. So if I ever offend someone because I talk about my healing and how I prayed on my hands and knees to God to save me, then like they're not meant for me. And so I think it's allowed me to show that a relationship with God is so different than just going to church and the religion part of God. And like a lot of my friends are like, no, I've been burned from church and the religion part of it. And I'm like, yeah, me too. This is what happened. And so I tell them that. And that's when I think the main thing is I'm not, I don't have a hidden agenda. I'm not here. I need to tell them my story so that like I can 
get them into the kingdom right away. Like it's more of I need to tell them. Yeah, it's like I need to tell them my story because I'm seeing a version of myself in you, that old version of myself. And I know how to help you out of that. Yeah. And I think I'm just when I openly talk about it, people are more inclined to like hear about it rather than thinking I'm this Bible thumper (laughs) trying to like recruit them or something. I have another question. Maybe this is for Avery and for you, since you're both very knowledgeable in mental health and just talk to clients on the daily. I don't know how often y'all talk about Jesus, but do you feel like the healing process can be easier or more simplified when somebody has faith? Oh my gosh. Yes. Absolutely. I was curious about that. Can you see somebody who's not walking with God actually heal from trauma? Because I feel like walking with God really has healed me and so many different traumas in my life. Like without therapy, like just knowing Jesus in himself, like Mm -hmm. redemption has healed me in a lot of ways. So I just am curious how, what are your thoughts on that? I love this topic because I'm forming my therapeutic identity. And first and foremost, I pray over every single client I have. And sometimes they'll say things to me like, I'm not really a God guy. And I'm like, ethically, like I can't say anything. But what I can do is help them connect the dots of, oh, you stopped drinking. And then all of a sudden your life started improving and doors were opening. And so I feel like my therapy room is my ministry in a way. And now I'm stepping into this new season of I get to form my new therapeutic identity and like what cares of the people that are open to that and receptive to, oh, like you're a Christian counselor versus the ones who aren't. Those are the people that God wants to walk through my door, whether they believe or not. Yeah, I agree. And coming from someone that has done this healing without God and with God, <laughs> It's been a thousand, a hundred times easier with God because I just bring my problems to him and he brings me peace and running to like your father's feet with your problems and him being like, let me bear this weight for you and Makes like, cry. yeah, I'm getting teary eyed, but like giving like that weight because life is so heavy and it's just so cool to realize like that you don't have to carry that weight anymore and you can't I wish I would have came sooner to him and carried that burden or not carried the burden because I think it would have saved me a lot of relationships and a lot of like self-doubt and a lot of me not surrendering and thinking I can do it on my own when really who am I'm a five foot little girl I can't do this on my own (laughs) why am I crying at your story (laughs) I am empathetic and like I can feel your just release and just your relationship with God is so pure and like I am so grateful that I have friends and community that can openly share these struggles and these burdens that we've held for so long alone and just knowing that we and don't so much have shame. to do this alone anymore yeah. so yeah. much shame. the enemy like wants I remember just being so scared to talk about this stuff because I'm like oh my gosh like it's so embarrassing it's so embarrassing I acted that way and it's and it's like that's the enemy's voice I heard this on 6 p.m club the other day I think Emily said it but she was like I sometimes like to picture the enemy as like a little aunt who tries to give us feelings of shame or guilt or embarrassment and you can just like squish him he's not as big as we sometimes make him to be and I just love that visual 
because the word you just squished that ant. And for anybody who's feeling that shame, honey, come into all of our DMs. <laughs> we will be here to hype you up. So tell us how we can connect with you because I feel like big things are coming for yeah, Soul Cousin. Give yourself out. <laughs> Thank you so much for just allowing me to speak the truth on this platform too. It's I just love that part of podcasts and I just love hanging out with you guys. But you can connect with me on all platforms. So Instagram is the main one that I'm on, but TikTok as well as YouTube, our videos are on there, but it's at Soul Cousin, O-U-L-K-O-U-S-I-N. And we have in our bio like a link as well for that book that I talked about power and then also some other links on there for healing and just diving into some research as well as just all of my content that is just diving deep into each of these topics if you're a little unsure on some of these like mental health terms then by all means like dive into it follow that spark follow that calling that you have to potentially share your story and like always do an interview on there as well so I'm just super grateful to have this voice and to be able to speak truth on what the enemy wants us to feel shame and hide from so good thank you for coming on and sharing I feel like I know you so much deeper and I'm so happy that you came Thank you so much, guys. And we're so honored. We keep hugging you, but if you guys can't see through the mic of this podcast, we're just over here crying and hugging, but we're so grateful for this space. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. We hope you found this episode valuable. If so, please share with a friend or post on your story and tag us. If there's a season you're currently going through, slide into our DM. We're bringing the social back into social media, so send us a DM at Soul SEN Podcast. Thanks for pressing play. We can't wait to hear from you.